beautiful It's got my mind on you And everywhere I turn is a reminder Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Welcome to this Bible lesson. Who is Jesus Christ? At Barah Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. And those who worship here at Barah Ministries worship the one and only true God. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 affirm it. They say this, for in Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, all the fullness of of deity, lives in bodily form. Colossians 2.10, he is the head, he is over all rule, he is over all authority. The Lord Jesus Christ is in command of the universe. He is the Lord, God the Son, which makes him 100% deity, so he is fully God. And he is Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah. I had lunch with a dear friend of mine when I was up in Chicago on Friday, and he is Jewish. And the first thing I said when I sat down to him with him at lunch was, Hey, Dave, have you figured out that Jesus is the Messiah yet? He said, Well, you've told me that a lot of times, and you know, I think you're right. He ain't there. That's not enough. But at least he's listening. And I would feel immeasurable loss if he wasn't in heaven with me. So Jesus Christ is the Christ. He is the Jewish Messiah, 100% true humanity. So he is fully God and fully man. And the two separate natures, God and man, are combined in one person. And nothing in the universe happens without the Lord's permission. So why does Barah Ministries exist? At Barah Ministries, we make a difference by teaching the Word of God verse by verse from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. Barah Ministries is provided by God for the benefit of both unbelievers and believers. Unbelievers get the gospel message, the good news concerning Jesus Christ's salvation offer. And believers in Christ get the Word of God, the Bible, the inerrant canon of Scripture, so that through the Word, they can have a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord. At Barah Ministries, we encourage believers to gather with other believers to study the Word of God together, instead of retreating from each other to do biblical study alone or only online. Being with like-minded people is immeasurably valuable to our spiritual growth. And being around only people like you is the fastest way to stunt your growth. 
because you don't learn then how to use unconditional love. Well, why study the Word of God? Because to detect counterfeit teaching, you must know true teaching. See, that's one of the things that irritates me about Christians is they are so steeped in religion. You know, you'll hear believers in Christ all the time talking about, oh yeah, you know, last week I did something wrong and God, and God really convicted me. Yeah, no, he didn't. God the Holy Spirit's convicting ministry is to unbelievers. It is not to believers in Christ. And there isn't one single thing you can point to in the Bible that says that God the Holy Spirit is using his convicting ministry with believers. Yet somebody says it, some false teacher tells the lie, and we just suck it up, and then we start using it because that's what we believe about God. We believe about God that he's sitting there with his hand on his face waiting for you to make a mistake, and he's going, ah, ah, Holy Spirit, tell him, tell him something. That's not at all how the Holy Spirit works for sins that were paid for at the cross. No, that's not what he does, because he's too busy conforming you to the image of the Son. And that has nothing to do with your sins. Conforming you to the image of someone perfect has nothing to do with your sins. So if you personally like beating yourself up about your sins, then beat yourself up about your sins. Violate the law of double jeopardy. You can't be tried for the same crime twice. Go ahead and, and, and do it. But it's not Christianity, so don't pretend like it is. It's religion. It's Satan mixing junk into Christianity, and it doesn't belong there. Why study the Word of God, then? Because to detect counterfeit teaching, you must know true teaching. Here's what the Roman Catholic Church says about doctrine. If you're wondering why I'm picking on the Roman Catholics, because if you say anything that is factual about anybody that is different from you or anybody you don't agree with, you're picking on them. So that is my favorite thing to do is to pick on people and to pick specifically on the Roman Catholics. So just go ahead and faint in your souls right now, roll around on the ground, writhe around, and say how intolerant I am. I am intolerant of anyone who distorts the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Very intolerant of that. So here's what the Roman Catholic Church says about doctrine, about truth, in their Catechism of the Catholic Church. And by the way, they will put the Catechism here, they will put the Bible here, and they will not ever open the Bible, and they will always open the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And when I was taking Catechism of the Catholic Church classes in my 21 years as a Roman Catholic, anytime I put my hand on the Bible, it got spanked with six rulers bound by a rubber band. I wonder why. You're about to see why. Here's what it says in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 891. It says, the Roman pontiff, which is a nickname for the Pope, who is head of the College of Bishops, he's the number one person in Roman Catholicism, enjoys infallibility by virtue of his office. What they're saying is he is incapable of committing a sin. He is incapable of being wrong. That's what infallibility is. By virtue of his office, when as supreme pastor and teacher of all the faithful, who confirms his brethren in the faith, he proclaims by a definitive act a doctrine 
pertaining, uh, pertaining to faith or morals. The infallibility promised to the church is also present in the body of bishops when together with Peter's successor, that's another name for the Pope, Peter's successor, they think that Peter was the first Pope. They exercise the supreme magisterium above all in an ecumenical council. When the church, <laughs> when the church through its supreme magisterium proposes a doctrine for belief as being divinely revealed and as the teaching of Christ, the definitions must be adhered to with the obedience of faith. And this infallibility extends as far as the deposit of divine revelation itself. Okay, if you had trouble translating that, let me help you. The Roman Catholic Church proposes that the Pope and its bishops have supreme authority to interpret the Word of God, that they are incapable of error in their interpretation, and that the faithful... Catholics, Roman Catholics, must believe and adhere to everything they propose. This is a false counterfeit doctrine. Here's the truth. No man is infallible. No man is incapable of error. And only one man has pulled it off. The God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says this. It is written, where? In the Bible. There is no creature who is righteous, not even one. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sorry, Virgin Mary, who the Roman Catholic Church claims was born sinless, lived a sinless life, and was bodily assumed into heaven according to the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. She was not. She sinned. She was not a virgin. She had six kids after the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So she was not a virgin her whole life unless she figured out a way to have four more sons and two more daughters by the same means that she had Jesus Christ, which of course she did not. And she was not without sin. Truth does not come from man. It comes from God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say this, All Scripture is God-breathed. Theonoustos is the Greek word. God-breathed. Into the writers of Scripture. God tells the writers of Scripture exactly what to write word for word, and they wrote it. And it is profitable. The Word of God is profitable. Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3.17, so that the man of God might be mature, totally equipped for every good work. Peter, who according to the Roman Catholic Church is the first pope, disagrees completely with the church's assessment of where true doctrine comes from. In the Bible, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, he says this, Know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own private interpretation. 2 Peter 1.21, And no biblical prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. 
In other words, there is no human who is infallible, and the, and the, the Word of God did not come from humans, and humans do not have authority over Scripture. That would be to say that they have authority over the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not. Men carried along by God the Holy Spirit, directed supernaturally by God the Holy Spirit, spoke directly into writing from the exact thinking of the God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so the first pope in the Bible says one thing, and the first pope in the catechism says something different. If they're the same person, can he be saying contradictory things? No. So somebody's making it up. Somebody's making it up. What was that? A car skidding, yeah. So where do these lies come from? They come from God's enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world. He is a deceiver who hates everyone in the world, including you and me. Here's what the Lord has to say about the deceiver and about those who follow him, false teachers who sell their deceptions to us. John chapter 8, verse 44 says this, You who are unbelieving are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks directly from his own nature, from an identity, because he is a liar, and he is the one who keeps on fathering lies. Yes, that's what the Lord has to say about Satan. So, what is the source of your spiritual truth? Do you think your opinion matters? Do you just make up your own truth? If you hold to a series of truths, you may want to compare what those truths say to what the Bible has to say. And if your truth is different than what the Bible has to say, Believe the Bible. Today's Bible lesson, if it were up to Christians, no one would be saved. If it were up to Christians, no one would be saved. What is evangelism? Evangelism is an activity where we share the gospel message, the good news about the salvation the Lord Jesus Christ provided to the whole world by dying on a cross and by being resurrected from the dead. What is the good news of the gospel message? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God the Father loved the world unconditionally, and he loved the world so much that he gave his uniquely born Son, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be crucified on a cross, so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but has eternal life, the resurrection life. By believing in Christ, you can be saved. As believers in Christ, we have taken advantage of God's free gift of salvation. How often do you share it? How do you share it? When's the last time you evangelized to someone? When is the last time you announced to anyone that you are a Christian? What is your approach to evangelism? When's the last time you sat down to create a message you can use to evangelize. What verses do you use? Are the verses committed to memory? What I see, a lot of, what I see is a lot of closet Christians. 
Believers in Christ who are conformed to the world. Believers in Christ who adhere to the world's adage. You don't discuss politics or religion. Oh, there's potential for conflict. Somebody might hear the truth and it might offend them. Do you know what my purpose is in the introduction of every Barah Ministries lesson? It's to offend people. It's to offend people. It's the truth. And it's offensive. So you don't want to hear the truth, just turn it off now. Amen? But that's not how we are as Christians. We think that being soft is going to help us get along with people. People don't like us any better because we're soft. People don't like us any better because we don't stand up for what we believe, what the religion says is the truth. They don't like us at all. The Bible says so. If they hated you, don't worry. They hated me first. That's what Jesus says. So it seems to me that believers in Christ allow the world to mute us, to steal our voices. Paul doesn't agree with that approach. Romans chapter 1, verses 15 to 18, Paul says this. So for my part, I am eager as a minister to preach the gospel, preaching it to you also who are in Rome. He's talking to the saints. He preaches it not only to unbelievers in the world, but he also preaches it to the saints over and over and over again. I know you guys tune out when we get to that part where I say God wants you. I know you tune out. I know. You said, can we get to the part about June's last song? I know. Because you don't want to hear it. But then when I ask you, hey, what are three Bible verses you would use to evangelize to somebody? (laughs) You cough up a fur ball. And I say the, the key five verses every single week. And you cough up a furball. It's insulting. It's insulting to a pastor when you do that. But it's all right, because God has hurt us enough times and given us enough trial where we are Teflon. We are impervious to pain. Bring it. We're not Velcro. We don't let things stick to us. This is what Paul says, Romans 1.15. I am eager as a minister to preach the gospel. Preaching it to unbelievers, but preaching it also to the saints at Rome. Romans 1.16. For I, Paul, am not ashamed of the gospel of God. Most Christians are ashamed to tell people the truth about God. To tell them the good news. And as a matter of fact, what they do is the opposite. They tell them the bad news. Well, if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell. Nobody's going to respond to that. That's not the gospel message. If you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell. That's bad news. The gospel message is Jesus Christ went to the cross, died for you, was buried, and was resurrected from the dead on the third day to prove that he is who he said he is. God. That's the good news. And if you believe in him, you can have eternal life in the snap of a finger without doing any work. That's it. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for the gospel of God is the power of God the Father for salvation to everyone who believes, the power, divine omnipotence. For everyone who believes, to the Jew first chronologically, 
and then also to the Greek, which is us, the Gentiles. Romans 1.17, For in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God the Father is revealed. From faith in the Lord for salvation to faith in the Lord for all things. As it is written, But the righteous man, that's any believer in Christ, because at the moment of salvation, God imputes his own righteousness to you as your admission ticket to heaven. But the righteous man, any believer in Christ, shall live by faith, by placing his confidence in God, by placing his confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you do that? Romans 1.18, because the wrath of God the Father is revealed from heaven also against all ungodliness and against all unrighteousness of unbelievers who suppress the truth of the gospel in unrighteousness. I'm sure you'd agree. We wouldn't wish the wrath of God, the lake of fire, on our worst enemy. Do your actions match your desire, though? Do you evangelize to people? Do you know the gospel? Can you share the gospel? Do you know the key verses of the gospel? In today's lesson, we'll uh, begin the next section of Paul's letter to the Colossians, which addresses an important issue, the gospel message. Well, let's hear some music. The Lord Jesus Christ is extraordinary beyond description. Yet God the Holy Spirit can get the right words to our lips and the right feeling into our hearts so that we can express the Lord's magnificence to others when we share the gospel message. Psalm 30, verse 12 says this, Allow my soul to sing praise to you and to not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Here's Chris Tomlin to express the inexpressible in song as he calls our Lord indescribable. From the highest of heights to the depths of the
stars in the sky, but then you start naming them too. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for providing a so great salvation to whosoever requests it. Thank you for sending your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for this salvation. Thank you for giving us, God, the Holy Spirit to convict the world concerning salvation issues so that the salvation of the whole world would not be dependent on us human beings nor on our eloquence. Give us the courage, Father, to be more interested in the salvation of others than we are in our own comfort. Diminish the power of the flesh, which manifests through us in the form of ego, Help us instead to listen to you and to your word and encourage us to share the good news of salvation to every person we meet. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. I didn't hear you. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, if it were up to Christians, no one would be saved. If it were up to Christians, no one would be saved. Why? Because we don't evangelize to anybody. We're scared. What are we scared of? Oh, well, see, I'm not very eloquent. I'm not really good with words. Okay, so you're not good with words. Here's a book. It has the whole salvation message in it. Here's the event. I'm not going to turn it around because it's not the real book. I have the other book. Well, it's too late now. But but we have a book, and you will be saved, and all you have to do is hand it to somebody. Here's how hard it is. So you have no excuse. And the story in the book is amazing. You have no excuse. All you have to do is send somebody a link. Send them a link to a video that comes out every week in the newsletter. You have no excuse. You don't have to talk. The Holy Spirit doesn't need you to talk. The Holy Spirit doesn't need you to be eloquent. All y'all can't be like me, amen? No, don't give me the... No, you, you, you're, you're going to get on my... You can bag on me. But every time you got somebody that needs evangelism, you uneloquent types are always sending them to me. Why is that? Now you're laughing about my eloquence. Why are you always sending your people to me? Why don't you do it? What is love? Baby, don't hurt. 
I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to get the truth across. What's hard about turning to Acts 16.31 and reading it to somebody? What's hard about turning to John 3.16 and reading it to somebody? What's hard about turning to John 3.36 and reading it to somebody? What's hard about turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4 and reading it to somebody? Those are the five key verses. Oh, I bet you all were writing that down, huh? I bet you got all those committed to memory, huh? What's hard about it? There's nothing hard about it. See, that's the whole thing. You know, when I came out of my mom's womb, she didn't even want me. You know? So I don't tell you there was nothing special about me. She was going to put me up for adoption. She tried to abort me three times. There was nothing special about me. Why is it that I can memorize those five verses and you can't? Because something special about me? There's nothing special about me. There's nothing wrong with your memory. Okay, well, almost like some people. <laughs> Damn June. You know, she sends me indescribable. And then she's got, you know, it's by Chris Tomlin, and she has, well, who'd you have down there? Who was it? <laughs> Stephen Cur- Curtis Chapman. Yeah, Stephen Curtis. I was like, wait a minute. Are we using another version of indescribable? Some people have a memory issue. But, June, what is John 3.16? A, you get an A. She said it exactly. So there may be something wrong with her memory about songs. There's nothing wrong with her memory out of the one of five. We hear it every week. Well, I'm not eloquent. You're an excuse maker. Quit making excuses because God the Holy Spirit wants to use your ineloquence to evangelize to people. Why do you think Jesus Christ picked Paul to be the, the, the one who taught the mystery doctrine of the church age? Because he's the biggest scumbag on earth. He wanted to show you what he could do with scumbags. You think he can't do anything with you? He can. Will you let him? Because he's a gentleman. He's not going to coerce you. So let's remember section one of the first chapter. Colossians, for in it, Paul introduces himself, announces his spiritual gift, tells us the source of his spiritual gift, tells us who is ministering to him while he's in prison in Rome, tells us to whom the letter is directed, and gives us a greeting, gives a greeting to the people to whom he writes in a power-packed two verses, which we studied the last time we were together. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this, a letter from Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God the Father, and from Timothy our brother, who is with me as co-worker and co-author, Colossians 1-2, a letter to the saints who are God's holy people who are believers in Christ, a letter to the faithful brethren in union with Christ who are at Colossae, a city in Turkey about 100 miles from Ephesus. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father. So, I didn't do a very good job of proofreading this script today. That's something you could help me with, uh, Vita. You could proofread these things before we start every week. That would be, that would be awesome. Because I just miss stuff. I, I look, it looks right to me, and then I get up here and say, how did that get in there? 
All right, so there is quite a bit of controversy among the human commentators of Scripture concerning whether or not Paul is really the author of the letter. So as I'm studying the commentaries to be able to, to give you a lesson, I've got to watch this large argument, all of it human viewpoint. And I read it anyway, but I'm, I'm bored with it. Because he makes it clear in the first, first two verses who wrote it. And now, oh, well, you know, what if the sun was in the seventh house, the moon was in the seventh house, and Jupiter was aligned with Mars that day? Maybe it was Timothy who wrote it. Okay, whatever. Paul puts the controversy to rest immediately, and yet it rages on to this day. Why? The controversy is a testimony to Satan's relentless attempts to discredit the Bible and to inject confusion into its study. No wonder. This letter to the Colossians is written to address a problem in the church that Satan initiated. False teachers and false teaching. It's a problem that plagues us throughout the world to this very day. All of us love false teachers and love false teaching much more than we value the Word of God. I was on the elevator uh, at the Admirals Club in Chicago Yesterday, and this lady looks to her husband and she says, I'm so sick of this mask. And I said, yeah, not sick enough to be mad about it, just sick enough to talk about it, right? We're totally tolerant of fascism in the United States, a country that was built as a republic. We're totally comfortable with the fascism that's going on here. What is fascism? They're telling us what to do, and we're doing it like dutiful little sheep. They're telling us what we should think about a, a, a disease, and we're adopting it. As if it is a fact with zero proof. I'm a journalist. I have never been more appalled at the lack of proof. People just get on, and they say something, and then two minutes later, somebody has adopted it as their, their whole belief system. Why? Because they're not studying the truth. So if you don't study the truth, it would be nice if, if you just say, look, Rory, I don't care what you say, man. I'm not studying the Bible. I don't think it's the truth. Not studying it. I would say, amen, you have that choice. If that's all you did, I would be ecstatic. But it's not what you do. What you do then is go adopt some, uh, some lie. That's what we do. We don't just stop there. We go adopt lies. And then we start spitting them out. And then it becomes the narrative. It's unbelievable to watch this. But we have the victory. So we aren't worried about it. But let's not be it. Let's not be that thing. So we spend more of our time taking in false teaching. We speculate about it. We ponder it. And as a result, we have a disquiet in our souls. What is disquiet? An uneasiness, a lack of peace, an anxiousness. That's probably why the Lord asked Paul to begin his letters with a reminder of the calming nature of God and his word. We have his grace and we have his peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I will tell you the truth. I have been away from the truth of the Word of God for two weeks. 
I didn't look at it for two weeks. You know why? Because it's good to just get away sometimes and just not look at it. But you know what my reaction is when I read the first verse when I came back to it? It's just one of those, you know how sometimes you're sitting and you just have a reaction and it just comes out? And I read the first verse and I said, God, I love this. I love this so much. I love hearing what God has to say about stuff. Now, I will admit, over the last two weeks, I do listen to Pastor Farley as I'm going to sleep. So I did get some truth in my soul. But my eyes were closed when it was happening. Amen? It's all right. Holy Spirit's supernatural. If he can't get it done while I'm asleep, that's his problem. He gets it into me. I find myself dreaming about strange things. I was dreaming, I got up at 2 today at about 1 o'clock. I'm dreaming about the page that I'm going to be reading and studying when I get up. It's craziness. He gets it done. But we gravitate to false teaching instead of gravitating to grace and peace. The Apostle Paul has given us believers, has been given to us believers in Christ as a gift. And God reminds us that Paul is a gift. Over and over and over again in the Bible. Look at Galatians chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. It says this, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man. Paul didn't just get up one day and say, oh, I have the spiritual gift of apostle. I think I'll go use it all over Asia. He didn't do that. God knocked him off a horse when he was being a horse's ass, killing Christians knocked him off a horse, took him out into the desert, taught him for four years, and turned him loose to evangelize and teach the very people that he hated, Gentiles. That's not men or the agency of man doing that. I didn't start teaching the Word of God because I think I'm wonderful and I think that this is my calling or any of the rest of that stuff. God orchestrated this. He gave me the gift a billion years ago, and he orchestrated me doing what I was doing. All I had to say was yes. That was the hardest part of what I do. Just say yes. It's not hard. Amen? But we want to make it all complicated. Well, I don't know that I can tell the gospel message because I'm not eloquent, and I have to do, and I have to, and I have to. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I have to jack. Just let God do his work. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of men, but sent by Jesus Christ and by God the Father who raised Christ from the dead. Galatians 1, 2. And all the brethren who are with me write this letter to the churches of the Galatian region. Galatians 1, 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus, the opening of this letter is not to be taken for granted like Christianity is taken for granted so easily in our lives today. Just as the people who are in our, li- who are in our lives are taken for granted so easily today. Do you even notice the people that are special to you? Do you even notice them? Or do you just yawn and think you know everything about them and treat them like objects? That's the real question. 
as the blessings from God are taken for granted easily today, like breathing, for example. We, as today's believers in Christ, are no different from the Colossian believers of the first century. They had false teachers with false teaching. We have false teachers with false teaching. If there's anything we learn about history, it's that we learn nothing from history. What do we do? We repeat the mistakes of the past. We repeat the mistakes we make in our lives today over and over and over again because we refuse to learn from the evidence that the way we think and the the way we act is ineffective most of the time. And this applies especially to our sharing of the gospel message. Well, God has given us a roadmap to greatness through his word. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24 give an introduction to a life of grace and peace. It says this, In reference to your former manner of life, when you were an unbeliever, God recommends that you lay aside the old self. It was killed at the cross. So lay it aside. Stop dragging the dead thing around. That dead self, old self, which is being corrupted, in accordance with the lusts of deceit. That's why you keep getting older. That's why you keep getting more rickety, because this body of lust and deceit is corroding, and it's going to die. One day it's going to die, and we even have a process for helping people die faster, legal euthanasia. We call it hospice. Amen? Oh, you didn't like that, huh? We want to make it peaceful. We want to make it peaceful for people. There's no way to die peacefully. What have we, what have we become? But Dr. Kevorkian, who was doing that, he was the first one who initiated hospice. Is he, he still in jail? He went to jail. Now we're doing it all over the world, and we just put a different name on it. It's just a way to keep from paying the baby boomers. Too many of us. And they mismanage the money. So they got to get rid of us. You think I'm kidding. You go to a hospital. You wait till you get 75 years old and there's something wrong with you and you go to a hospital and you need surgery. You know what they're going to tell you? They're going to look at you with this look that says, you know, you've had a good life. You don't believe me. You don't have to believe me. You think I'm talking my opinion. You don't have to believe me. Ask Larry and Pat. They got a friend, 89 years old. Ain't nothing wrong with this lady except she likes talking. Other than that, ain't nothing wrong with her. She fell down, hurt herself. She goes to the hospital. What do they say? Sure was good having you here. We're not doing the surgery. Too risky. How is it too risky to do surgery? We have never been better at surgery. We have never been better at medicine in the history of mankind. Do you see what you have to look forward to, Jerry? (laughs) No, look. Look, I'm reminding you because I care about you. And I need to tell you this. You've fallen down three times on record. You only get two more. (laughs) 
All right, that part was a joke. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, you're not kidding. And we sit here. We sit here. Your, your parents go to the hospital and you can't visit them. And they have a drug superhighway in their arm. And you can't visit them. And you accept that. Okay. But answer me this. Do you think I would accept that? There is no way that you're going to have my mom in a place where I can't watch you do what you do and monitor what you're doing. There is no way. Because I don't believe that hospitals are recording accurately what's going on, and I'm not impugning the character of nurses and doctors because I think they're some of the best people in the world who are nurses and doctors, who really genuinely care about people. But there's a system behind them. And we just, we just take it. We just accept it. I don't. So what is the Lord saying about this roadmap to greatness? His word. He's saying, in reference to your former manner of life when you were an unbeliever, God recommends that you lay aside that old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. Ephesians 4.23. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind through the study of the word of God. Ephesians 4.24. And instead, that you pick up and put on the new self. There is a new creation in you. Which is the likeness of God, the, which is in the which in the likeness of God the Father has been created by God for you. Passive voice: the subject is being acted upon in righteousness and in the holiness of the truth. Are you living a life of truth, or are you living a life tainted with deceit? Because here's the gift that God gave us: the little green box. The little green box which is on my podium right now, the little green box, which is a, a, a metaphor for Christianity. God gives us this beautiful gift called Christianity, represented by the green box, and it needs no additions. It needs no subtractions. It is perfect just as it is. It is filled with a life of grace and peace, the life I wish for you both today and every day until you go home to be with the Lord. It's easy for us believers in Christ to forget that we are family, that we are in unity, that we were placed into unity at the moment of salvation, a unity that we cannot exit. Therefore, we heed the advice in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. For the unconditional love of Christ controls us believers in Christ, having concluded this, that one, Jesus Christ, died for all, believers and unbelievers. Therefore, all died at the cross. And we as believers in Christ are identified with Christ because of our union with Christ, because of that death at the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.15 And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, selfishly. As believers in Christ, we are not to be selfish. Instead, that they might live for him who died and rose again on their behalf. 
Are you a selfish Christian? Living for and thinking only of yourself? Or are you making the same sacrifice Christ makes by laying your ego aside and living for the benefit of others? Is it a worthwhile question for reflection as you pray? God, if I'm a selfish Christian, please make me aware of it. Please let my spiritual eyes see my selfishness and root it out of me. This is an examination of conscience to see what the truth reveals. 2 Corinthians 5.16, Therefore, from now on, we believers in Christ recognize no one according to the flesh. When we look at human beings and we see their faults, we don't judge like we don't have any faults. We see no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh when we were unbelievers, because we were evaluating our lives through human eyes and through, through human viewpoint at that time. Yet now, we no longer know Christ in this way. Why? Because we are a new creation. We don't know Christ that way anymore. And we don't know other people that way anymore. We don't look at people and look at their faults and say, uh, can you believe that? Because when I see my faults, you know what I say? Yeah, I can believe it. And I'm glad that the people don't know 100% of my faults. I'm glad they only know 10% and they're only judging that. Because if they knew the whole thing, self-righteous ones that they are, they wouldn't even want to talk to me because they're too high and mighty for me. Because God always puts the worst people up front. You know, we really need to take a look at how we think and how we live our lives. Because if, if we stop to think about it for five minutes instead of rushing around like chickens with our heads cut off, we think we were pretty ridiculous. And when you get it, that you're pretty ridiculous, you don't have time to look at other people's ridiculousness. Because when you do, when you know yourself that well, you look at other people's ridiculousness and you have nothing com but compassion for them. You don't say, there but for the grace of God go I. You say, wow, that's me. Wow, I'm the same way. And then you actually say it out loud, which demonstrates that you know how to be a vulnerable human being. That's one of the things I like about June's prayers in the circle. You know, God, I don't like my pastor. But I know you gave him to me so that I would learn the word and improve, even though his jokes ain't funny. I like that. Just tell it like it is. But that's not what we are as adults. We're just first-class phonies, and we hate it when we run into somebody who's not like that. You know, I'm back out on the social circle now, and I, I see the looks people give me like, God, you, you're not politically correct. Yeah, that's right. A couple reasons for that. I never was, but the other reason, I've been sitting on the couch for a year and a half, and all I got to show for it is a much rounder butt than I had before. I, I, hey, I came to like that couch. 
That couch and I are buddies. I speak to my couch when I get back home. Amen? Hey, bud. But, uh, high-fiving my couch. It's been my friend. <laughs> I want a dog, but I don't want a chihuahua because a chihuahua could never be mistaken for a dog. Amen? It's a rat with a big head and bubble eyes. So look. It is not by our own will that we live a life of grace and peace. Our own will, will fails over and over. It is through the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit that we lay aside the thinking and the actions of the old self. And when we do, we make room in our souls for unconditional love toward God, toward ourselves, big deal, and toward others. And we pick up and put on the new self. And as a result, we reflect the Godhead, allowing others to see the fruit of the Spirit. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace toward yourself. Patience, kindness, goodness toward others. Gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in the matter of our relationship with God. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll begin our study of the second section of the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody. We're trying to tell Oh, 
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, if it were up to Christians, no one would be saved. If it were up to Christians, no one would be saved. Well, we are to follow the Lord's example in everything, and especially in giving. John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, God the Father loved the world unconditionally, and he loved the world so much that he gave his uniquely born son. How do Christians give? Sacrificially, just as God the Father did by sacrificing his son to die in our place. How do Christians give? Expressively, because giving manifests your faith in God. How do Christians give? Incessantly. There must never be a time when we don't give. Let your giving rival God's giving and watch the things that flow to your life as a result. Give something. Give anything. If you're listening to Barah Ministries, you should give to Barah Ministries. And give now. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with his always excellent, always inspiring offering messages. Good morning. It might be a little hot. Hear me? Sounds a little loud. There you go. Good morning. My name name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. Barah Ministries is a worldwide Christian church, and this is a place for real people who want to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth of the Word of God. So I've been thinking as we're studying Colossians, or Corinthians, and now into Colossians, they they must have been having the same sentiments that Paul wrote in Romans, that the things I want to do, I, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I keep doing. They just keep you know, beating themselves up. And we see that repeated in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh sets its desires against God the Holy Spirit, and God the Spirit sets its desire against the flesh. For these two are in opposition to one another, to prevent you from doing the things that you please. So they're just warring. We just have a war inside our body, so we end up just in a deadlock and do nothing. And it's interesting because... When you first think of that verse, I keep doing things that I don't want to do, my mind goes to the extreme things, you know, the bad things. But there's really a lot of things, little things in our lives that we do on a day-to-day basis, like judging others. It's really easy to do that. Especially in my line of work, we work with a lot of very wealthy clients, and some of them have stayed grounded and some of them have not. And so you instantly start judging them and thinking, oh, well, you know, I assume their character, they're probably a, a mean person, they don't donate, they don't give, but... They might say the gospel every day, and do I? I don't know. Or, you know, we we expect things of others, and we become disappointed when they don't jump through the hoops that we've set. And they don't know about the hoops. Or we're like, oh, we're disappointed because they didn't come home and do something that you expected, or they didn't do what you thought they might might, should have done without you agreeing on it. And, you know, another one is just keeping secrets. We keep secrets from each other. You know, like Pastor said, let's be vulnerable. How can we know that anybody needs help if we don't tell somebody, let reveal stuff about our lives? And I, <clears throat> I know for men, it's, it's hard because it's a show you show a sign of weakness. A lot of times we just rather do it ourselves and ask for help. Or a lot of times we wouldn't want to tell somebody that maybe our testosterone's too high or our testosterone's too low. And oh, hey, I got a fix for that. Oh, I would never would have known. You know, people just don't reveal things. We get, we start keeping secrets. And along that line. <clears throat> We keep the gospel a secret. We don't reveal the fact that we're Christians. 
It's real easy just to avoid it and shut that side off. Like we're saying, there's a war in our body, the flesh and the spirit. And we just lock into the flesh. I know I do it. I go to work, and it's just like work, 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 work. I don't think about Christ a lot of times. Only personally I do. I'll pray to myself, but I won't tell other people what I'm doing. Sounds weak. You're praying? Oh, you're weak. (laughs) But, you know, so my thought this week is let's do what the flesh hates. Let's give to Christ. Let's give the gospel. Let's tell people why we're happy when things are really down. Or let's tell them why we can be so happy during this fascist life that we're living. You know, this is a great place we have here, this unity that we have. And this is a place where we, we basically are doing what the Spirit wants us to do. And that's amazing. It really is. We should be proud of that and we should spread that. We should let everybody else have that same connection with the Spirit. And so thank you for continuing to give to Barah Ministries. Thank you everybody around the world. Thank you all the people that are traveling all the time. And, you know, good luck to John and Monica are setting up. We miss you guys. We love you guys. Uh, just keep up the good work. So thank you very much. It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, if it were up to Christians, no one would be saved. If it were up to Christians, no one would be saved. Well, the next section of our study begins at Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, and extends to verse 14. We'll look at part of it today. Paul is celebrating the gospel message, the good news concerning what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. That was the biggest surprise that I got when I started studying the book of Romans, that he was talking about the gospel message, and I couldn't figure it out. It's like, why is he talking to Christians about the gospel message? We already have it. Well, now I know. You know, after 10 years of studying that and Colossians, now I know. The gospel message is central, critical, more critical. The only thing more critical in the gospel message is the Godhead and the Christ. So it's critical. So Paul begins with thanksgiving in this section, and he uses the Greek word eucharisto. And it may be familiar to you because we celebrate the Eucharist every month. As a matter of fact, next week we'll be celebrating the Eucharisto, a thanksgiving to our Lord for our Lord, a look back at the cross in Eucharisto and thanksgiving for what he did for us there. And Paul is grateful that the Colossians have heard and have accepted the true word of God, the gospel message. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for all of you Colossian believers. Colossians chapter 1, verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus from Epaphras, the founder of the church at Colossae. And since we heard of the unconditional love, which all of you have for all the saints, that's a believer in Christ. A believer in Christ loves God unconditionally, loves self unconditionally, loves others unconditionally. So when you are beating yourself up, when you are mad at God and questioning God, and when you are critical of others, you're not doing what it is that God purposed you to do as a Christian, and especially the middle one. He does not want you beating yourself up. He doesn't. How, why would you beat perfection up? When God the Father looks at you, he sees the same exact thing he sees when he looks at Christ. Why would you beat perfection up? Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. Because of the hope laid up for all of you in heaven, of which hope all of you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. You've heard of the things Paul writes about in these, in verses 3 to 5. If you really examine what he's talking about in verses 3 to 5, you've seen it before in a 1 Corinthians passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, where we heard about faith, hope, and love. Here's what it says. It says, now faith in God. Hope, which is absolute confidence in yourself and unconditional love for others, abide in the sphere of these three Christian virtues. It's a geodesic dome, and in it there are virtues, faith, hope, love, forgiveness, and grace. But the greatest of these is unconditional love for others. That's what God expects of you more than anything else. Why is unconditional love for others so important? Because it's selfless and selflessness. 
is the thing that makes our God different from his enemy more than anything else. He is selfless and Satan is selfish. Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. We give thanks and pray for you, Colossian believers, because of the gospel which has come to you, just as it is coming in all the world also. The gospel message that keeps on bearing fruit and keeps on increasing even as the gospel message has been doing in all of you since the day all of you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Colossians 1.7, just as all of you learn the gospel message from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Colossians 1.8, and Epaphras also informed us of your unconditional love in the Spirit, in Numati, the in Numati, in the Spirit. We are in union with the Spirit, in Christo Jesus. We are in union with Jesus Christ, in Pater. We are in union with God the Father. The entire Trinity indwells us as believers in Christ. And we want to say that we don't know how to evangelize when the whole Trinity indwells us? Really? Honestly? Really? The gospel message never fails to achieve its end. The salvation of the whole world is its end. See, I, I was looking around during the offering. I'm sitting in the back, and I was counting the people that are here face-to-face. -face. You know how many people are here face-to-face? -face? Twelve of us. There are twelve here. Does that number ring a bell? Because that's how, how many people it took for the Lord to evangelize all of Asia. Twelve people. He sent 12 people out to evangelize all of Asia. Now, we need to be a megachurch. We don't need to be a megachurch. And of the 12, we got seven women. Is there anybody that talks more than women? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> now, now, I'm going to give the brother props when he says that. He's, he's genuinely funny a lot of times. It comes out of nowhere, too. It's really cool. But no, women speak 25,000 words a day, men 12,000. Tell me that you can't be talking about a subject matter called the gospel. If you like talking, talk about the gospel. I invited my cousin Mary to a football game, and Mary's just just the, the sweetest, most wonderful person ever, and she has always been that way, even from when she was a baby, just a cute. I think she's the best-looking person in our family, quite frankly. She's just gorgeous. And everybody, when they look at her, even with a mask on, everybody looks at her. She, I, I think she's, let's see, she's probably eight years older than me. She's probably almost 60. But, huh? Younger than me. She's eight years younger than me, almost 60. Oh, hell, if she was eight years older than me looking as good as she looks, holy smokes. But she's just gorgeous. And everybody, you know, who is that? Who is that you're with? It's my cousin, Kula. Yeah, that's not your cousin. It's my cousin. She's beautiful. But the girl can talk, right? And she's talking to the football game. It's like, Mary, come on. Come on. This is a football game. I'm trying to watch, even though my cats are getting destroyed. Let me, let me enjoy my misery and peace. But 
Women can talk, just change the subject matter. Make it the gospel message. But it was only 12. We don't have to be a mega church to have mega impact. Amen? We don't. But we're always minimizing things, like God needs numbers. What did he do with Gideon? Gideon had, what, 3,000 people? He reduced it down to about 35 and beat an army with pots and pans noise. Come on. He doesn't need numbers. The gospel message never fails to achieve its end, which is the salvation of the world. When you give the gospel to somebody, God the Holy Spirit takes over and he knows what he's doing. He doesn't need you to be articulate. He just needs you to be willing. Yes, I will pass along the gospel message to people. Are you pleased with the way your share, with the way you share the gospel message? Norbert has 13 siblings. How many of them are saved? I don't know. Do you know? No. You need to know. And if they aren't, we got 13 books right there. Just hand it to them. Just hand it to them. Say, this is the guy I study with. He's really crazy. You should come with me sometime. You'd, you'd really get a, a good laugh. It's, it's better than stand-up comedy. That's all you got to do. And they'll go, oh. And, you know, the, the, it would be a surprise who reads it, because that's exactly what Donna did with you, right? It, it was a surprise. You came here. You know, you came on in with your ponytail and everything. I go, okay, here we go, right? And you real serious, and I thought, okay, and then you just stayed. That's awesome. I know, since June 2017, you even got it written down. I got it in the, right here. I got it in the book. Look, you don't know what's going to happen when you share something with somebody, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen when you walk up to somebody at a conference and say, hey, how do you feel about warm weather? Because that's what I said to June when she was living in Topeka, hell, I mean Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> how do you feel about warm weather? And she moved here, and she's the song worship leader, and she's been here forever, and in the first Three months, no, it's probably the first year. We had a knockdown drag out fight. I was yelling at her so loud in a hotel in St. Louis that the people next door to me called security because they thought I was killing somebody in the room. And we've been friends ever since. One crisis, and that was that. You don't know, but it all started with how do you feel about warm weather? She was studying in a basement with a pastor who was teaching her systematic theology and that there were 11 problem-solving devices. And she sits down at lunch to me before she moves over. She's going to check me out. So she brings the pastor's wife, and they corner me at lunch, and they say, do you know Reckon and Yield? <laughs> I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Because I don't study that particular translation of the Bible, so I don't know what you're talking about, but I think what you're saying is, do I know the Word of God, do I think about it, and then do I obey it? I think that's what you mean. Is that what you mean? I don't know. She didn't know what she was talking about. And the rest is history. You don't know. You don't know. I remember uh, meeting... Denise, and she had something on her desk about Jesus Christ. And I said, what do you know about that guy? And she gets her cherub face smile. I love him. I love him. 
Like, yeah, okay. So what church do you go to? It's a Pentecostal church. I said, okay, yeah, I know what you're saying. You get the Bible and you blah, 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 mumbling with your hand and walking around. I get it. I get it. And then she took the journey with me through systematic theology. And now one of the most respected, loved members of this congregation who has a tremendous impact on people in their lives. You don't know. Or sitting across from Pastor John Farley, looking out over Lake Minnetonka, candlelit thing, and I drank two glasses of rosé on an empty stomach and started criticizing uh, Roman Catholicism and gave him the double quiver lip. I said, you know Roman Catholicism's bullshit, right? It is not. It is, and I'm surprised you don't know as much as you read. Why don't you read something that's meaningful? So I started sending him stuff. And again, it was systematic theology stuff, but there was a systematic theology teacher 10 minutes from his house. He starts studying with the guy, and he became a pastor. I was in shock. Never saw that coming. Became a believer in Christ, but he was probably one as a Roman Catholic, one of the few Roman Catholics who were actually believers in Christ because he was, he was studying it. But then he becomes a pastor. One conversation of a drunk. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You drink two rosés on an empty stomach, you're going to be drunk. One conversation of a drunk leads somebody through hell, out of the, the hell of Roman Catholicism, into the hell of systematic theology, into the grace in which we stand of Christianity as a pastor. How many souls has he saved by sharing the gospel message every week for years and years and years? And it all started with one drunken conversation. You don't know. You don't know. But the Holy Spirit knows, and he's the one who got it done. I don't get any credit for siring a pastor. The Holy Spirit did that work. I just shared my truth with him. What I knew of the truth at the time. And then who ordains me? Pastor John Farley. Is that incredible? That's just incredible. You can't look at that and see anything but God. You can't miss it that the, the hand of God orchestrated that. You don't know. You don't know. But before I took that sip of rosé, if you had come up and whispered in my ear, that guy, that guy that's sitting across from you, he's going to ordain you as a pastor. Is that funny or not? I'd have never believed it. You don't know. So my question, are you pleased with the way you share the gospel message? Are we pleased as a ministry with the way we share the gospel message? I am not on either count. I'm not happy with what we do. I hope you'll join me in channeling our dissatisfaction to that. 
because we should be very dissatisfied with that, as opposed to channeling our dissatisfaction to each other, looking at each other and talking about all the things we aren't as each other. Because I personally don't care what you aren't, but I care deeply what you are and love deeply what you are. I don't care what you aren't. Because if I start thinking about what you aren't, I don't even want to come. <laughs> I don't even want to come over here and teach you. <laughs> All right, we'll continue our study of Colossians next week. The closing moments of our study today are for anyone who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to know God wants you. And what God wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. And the most important decision of your life is your attitude toward the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, whose son is he? The Lord asked, who do they say I am? And who do you say I am? There's one inescapable truth that is at the very root of Christianity, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. And there's only one way to get to heaven, by placing your faith in him and in what he has done at the cross on your behalf. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He is the most important being in the universe. He loves you unconditionally. He created you and he wants a relationship with you. And that's good news for you. The bad news is that you were born with a problem. From the moment of your physical birth, God considered you a sinner. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says this, There is no creature who is righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says this, All creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is not your fault that you're a sinner from physical birth, but it is your circumstance. And unfortunately for you, being a sinner has a penalty. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this, The payment for earned for being a sinner is both spiritual death and physical death. In addition to being a sinner, you commit personal sins. And as a result, you don't meet God's standards. God requires perfection for you to get into heaven. So being a good person or trying to work your way into heaven with good but imperfect deeds does not impress God at all. This gospel message is the good news concerning what the Lord Jesus Christ did to fix the bad news for a sinner. Jesus paid a price with his blood so that you can be saved. Responding to his gospel message is your chance to have a personal relationship with God. Here's what the Lord said to a self-righteous Pharisee, Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, the spiritual birth, you cannot see the kingdom of God the Father in heaven. But God the Father wants you in heaven. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, God the Father demonstrates his own unconditional love toward all mankind. And that while we were yet sinners, while we were unrighteous, ungodly unbelievers, he demonstrated his unconditional love by sending Christ to die a sacrificial death for us. Who is the God that saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It says, I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received, 
that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised again from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. Absolute righteousness is your admission ticket to heaven. It is the key to eternal life, the resurrection life, and it is yours free of charge right now if you want it. At the moment of salvation, God the Holy Spirit is willing to place you into union with Christ and to impute the righteousness of God to you as your admission ticket to heaven. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 11 say this, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, saying that he is God, and if you believe in your heart that God the Father raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 10, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in the imputation of absolute righteousness, your admission ticket to heaven, and with the mouth a person confesses, choosing faith in Christ alone, resulting in salvation. Romans 10, 11, For the scripture says, Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will not be disappointed. So heed the warning and the invitation of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life, eternal life, right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. There is a hell, and it is a very real place. And it is described this way in the Bible, Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 to 43. The Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, will send forth his elect angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks. That's a reference to unbelievers. And those who commit lawlessness, another re reference to unbelievers. Matthew 13, 42. And the elect angels will throw unbelievers into the furnace of fire, the lake of fire, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 13, 43, And then the righteous, believers in Christ, will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. For those without a relationship with Christ, he'll just ask them to step to the left and to take the elevator, just press down. But getting to heaven is easy. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. Sinners need a Savior. Believers in Christ who are saints do not. We have one. And the Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in him and you will be saved. Let's close with music. The Lord encourages women to live and to act like royalty. And the words he uses are beautiful to hear. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Your adornment must not merely be external. The braiding of the hair and wearing gold jewelry and putting on dresses. 1 Peter 3, 4. Instead, let your adornment be in the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. All of us do well to take on these beautiful qualities and to act as we are, as June Murphy sings to, of believers in Christ, that we are royalty.
could still hit that note, dude. <laughs> That was awesome. Thank you, June. Let us pray. A doxology of praise to our amazing God. Romans 8.37, in every situation imaginable, believers in Christ keep on overwhelmingly conquering through the Lord who loves us unconditionally. Romans 8.38, for I, Paul, am convinced that neither death nor life, nor elect angels who wouldn't, nor principalities, demons, fallen angels who couldn't, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, Romans 8.39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to sever us from the unconditional love of God the Father, who is for us through our union with Christ Jesus our Lord. We have eternal security, and no one can snatch us out of the Lord's hands. And that is absolutely amazing. Let's close in prayer. Almighty God and Father, we just thank you for everything you are and everything you do and everything you think and how you keep on pouring all those thoughts and actions and blessings into us, including the blessings of tribulation, which shape us and take us to the spiritual gymnasium. And we just thank you for all the things you're doing around the world. We pray for all of the Americans in Afghanistan, We pray that you protect them. We pray for the truth all around the world, that you protect it and spread it in the midst of all the lies that are going on. We pray that we, as believers in Christ, when we speak the truth and get looked at like we are strange, recognize that we're not. And we pray that you keep on opening our spiritual eyes and giving us the courage to share the gospel message, the good news concerning salvation, to all that we come in contact with, especially those that we come in contact with who are wealthy. Because those who are wealthy tend to ignore the fact that they need a Savior and see themselves quite often as very self-sufficient when they're not. We just ask you to bless them and to keep them and to surround them with the gospel message so that they can respond and be a part of your kingdom as well. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.